Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the death metal guy, a.k.a. Ingve Malmsteen, but when he was fat and funny, not when he was skinny and mean. And I am the black metal guy, a.k.a. we technically never called for the death of Mick Jagger. <laughs> that, was, uh, th that a.k.a. recommended by our legal team. <laughs> exactly. Um, first off, before we do anything else, rest in power, Dusty of ZZ Top. Uh, ZZ Top, actually one of the first ever bands I saw in concert when I was a kid. Um, obviously outstanding performers, and I, I couldn't believe when I was doing some reading on it that Dusty had played with that band for over half a century. I mean, I, I don't know if there's anyone else that really competes. Well, the, uh... Maybe, like, the drummer of ACDC who got busted for selling meth or something. <laughs> but the problem is that broke his streak, you know. If he's in jail for selling meth, he can't drum for ACDC anymore. That, that, is the, that is the problem. Plus, actually, ACDC cycled through several drummers, I think. Yeah, he, was, he was with them. He was with them for a really long time. I can't remember. This was some, some shocking story in the news for like three or well, four years ago. Well, it's like we always say ACDC is somehow one of the more underrated rock bands yeah, <laughs> as ZZ approved Top by too. Metal Guys. Oh, absolutely. ZZ Top, is, ZZ Top is basically essential Americana at also, this point. George, George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Oh, 100%. All, all yeah. that shit. But ZZ Top still feels vibrant and fresh. Mm -hmm. You know, even their oldest material from the 70s, is, it, it sounds beautiful. Um, so, uh, Terminus News. And this is actually a, a pretty important one, so guys, pay attention. Mm -hmm. All right, so, um, if you're listening to this, you might not have seen that alongside this episode, uh, we have also released an interview that I did with none other than Lori Bravo, uh, the bassist and vocalist of the legendary band Nuclear Death. Um, I have been a, a huge Nuclear Death fan. Like, ever since I was a kid, they've been a huge influence on me musically and critically. And uh, I got the opportunity to speak with Laurie for a few hours about the history of the band. And uh, we've talked a fair amount since then, and I, uh, I consider her a friend now. Um, but the big announcement that I want to make is... You know, after doing the interview, me and Lori uh, sat and chatted for a while longer, and I was asking her, you know, Lori, uh, so why why isn't any of the old Nuclear Death material, you know, the back catalog, available digitally? Because it's mm. never been available online outside of, you know, YouTube uploads, things like that. And, you know, we got to talking, and uh, we basically reached an agreement. So uh, I'm very proud to announce that for the first time in history, the entire Nuclear Death back catalog is now available digitally for the future. Uh, you can go to nucleardeath.bandcamp.com where you can find all the full links as well as the original four demos uh, from the late 80s uh, as bonus tracks on the first couple records. Uh, I want to thank Lori for uh, allowing me the opportunity to help her out with this. Uh, it's been a real privilege to be able to kind of archive this stuff for the future. And uh, everything on there, for those who are interested, is uh, pay what you want. So throw Lori some money. Uh, it should go without saying, but I'll make it clear. We receive absolutely no money from this. Wait, you know, dude, that's huge. I had no idea it was all paid for. Pay I, I totally forgot that. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, we just did Pay What You Want on it, and uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. Check out the interview with Lori. Uh, anyone who's into really extreme, kind of cutting-edge, old-school death metal from back in the day should absolutely be going there and checking those records out, as well as checking out Lori's new music just under her own name. Uh, really fascinating kind of neo-blues singer-songwriter stuff that is also very remarkable. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited to announce this. This is kind of exciting. You know, I think it's I think it's important that this stuff get preserved for the future, and I'm really happy that you know we got to be a part of that. Yeah, dude. I mean, like I mean, I've told you before, but uh, it's it's very cool that you put yourself out there to do that. And um, the yeah, I guess this archival stuff and related things. I guess we might we we might explore moving more into areas like that. Right. Um, yeah. After you know, after doing this, I got very excited, and now I'm thinking, you know, what other stuff is out there that I've loved for so many years, but has been a little bit lost to time, or only occasionally re-released in limited quantities. We we got to find a way to back all this stuff up for future generations. So I think that's going to be something that uh, we want to explore some more going forward. Yeah. Yo, do you got you do have like a short, grindy nuclear death track that we can play? Because for instance. I, the black metal guy, um, I'm vaguely familiar with Nuclear Death. I know the idea. I've probably listened to it in the Blogspot days, but you know, if I don't know it, a bunch of people who are potentially interested in Nuclear Death don't know it. Yeah, sure, we can do that. Um, here, I will just give you. Uh, I mean, let's just listen to the classic, the uh, the first track off of uh, Nuclear Death's Bride of Insect, uh, which is called Necro Bestiality, <laughs> and I'll. Uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll give you a link in the document. Right. I'll remove the time. The document stamp. being the thing that we write our notes in. Yes, yes. We're, we're both the logged into. We're both we're both logged into the Google Doc while we're talking, and and when it does, it feels like we're holding hands. Um, <laughs> a grim, <laughs> a grimoire of all of our notes. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right, so this, let's just listen right, to the first track. It's only, only a couple minutes long. Yeah. yeah. All right. The 
<laughs> and now that you hear that, everything about me makes so much more sense. <laughs> oh, well, it's it's it, that was already the composite picture I had assembled in my head. <laughs> and you got to uh, remember, this was recorded in late '89, so it's it's way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time, and also cool vestigial things like her vocal rhythms are like John Brennan. From oh yeah, and I love the. Uh, she keeps being like, "You're not ready to accept the negative approach." Um, <laughs> uh, and she'll do the uh, the kind of like lilting, almost like trad metal vibrato stuff. Uh, that'll mm-hmm. pop up here and there. It's a it's a very very singular band um, that, especially nowadays, with so many bands looking back towards uh, kind of primordial extreme metal, more mm-hmm. people should be paying th- paying attention to this because there's so many ideas that are very fully realized back then, but not enough people have heard it. For sure. All right, so uh, before we go into our roundup, uh, real quick, the usual housekeeping, social media, follow me, the Death Metal Guy, on Facebook at Terminus Podcast, or the Black Metal Guy on Instagram at Terminus Extreme Metal. Uh, additionally, if you really want to support the uh, the endeavors we undertake here on uh, here on Terminus, uh, you can feel free to, to uh, subscribe to us on either Patreon or Subscribestar. Uh, $3 and up gets you access to all the Terminus Prime bonus episodes, uh, one of the latest of which uh, has actually been made public, uh, so you can check out what you'll be getting for your money. And $5 and up gets you access to the Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord server where we discuss the finer points of enemy tuning in JRPGs, as well as our favorite horrorcore tracks of years past. <laughs> wow, much has changed on the Discord. Uh, oh yeah, now me and uh, me and Nick from Hessian Firm were talking about hip hop for a while while you were typing oh, up yeah. your notes. Right, yeah, cool. Um, so uh, we've got a really interesting show. We've got a, a lot of different kind of crisscrossing threads uh, between the albums we're covering today, and uh, we're doing the sandwich. So, what's your first slice of bread, buddy? Ah, uh, mine is a big old slice of broder. Um, which sounds like Brad, <laughs> but it actually means brother. Um, the record is Dead Hoyos, Dead Hoyos Smed, uh, which is, uh, and it is, which means the highest Smith, which I will remind you in a second when we do this review. Um, and it is, uh, it's by two brothers, uh, Eric and Jesper Bagerfied, who are central to the Corpson scene in Denmark. Uh, it is, uh, extremely fast, uh, extremely fast aggressive black metal that is has a lot in common with as you would say old very primordial death metal um and is obviously about uh smashing stuff with hammers (laughs) all right so after that uh on a very different note we're gonna go to the new record by luminous veil titled vespers for the lumen lane uh, this is a two-man project split between Wisconsin and Maryland, who I was unfamiliar with until I ran across this record. Uh, and I, I guess this is very challenging to describe, but I guess the the elevator pitch for this is uh, symphonic post-black metal. Uh, <laughs> you know, with all sorts of... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was I was terrified, too, but... Then I listen to it, and it's, uh, it's got some actually very interesting ideas, and I, I think I'm actually really excited to talk about that one. And then after our interlude, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, Serpent Trance with Acra Tapinosis, maybe? Uh, yeah. God, yeah, out now on Gods of War Productions. 
uh, this is a uh, a very uh, <laughs> let's say severe uh, doom influenced black death record, uh, which is mm-hmm. going to pair very nicely with the uh, final record for tonight, which is thaumaturgy uh, with charnel gnosis in the uh, long EP category. Uh, this is coming out shortly on Adirondack Black Mass with a hard copy edition, but it's also uh, also up on YouTube. Is there a Thaumaturgy Bandcamp yet? Uh, probably. Uh, I, I mean, I should I should know that. It, yeah, I was emailing with him, but um, this is a <laughs> fan submission. Uh, and yes, he does is, have a Bandcamp. Yes. Okay, cool. It's a fan submission. Um, and you know he listens to the show, so that's cool. Uh, and it is black death metal kind of in a very similar manner to Serpentrance uh, but different mode of slow yeah it's it's interesting how much they share in common and yet how unequivocally different they sound Mm -hmm. alright and we are ready to go with Broder's Dead Hoyas Smed by out out independently um, on Bandcamp right now uh, but with uh, or no, also, then there's a there's a physical there's a, a record available too, um, and this is by the brothers Eric and Jesper Bagerfied, who um, are both pretty involved with bands in the Danish Corpse Sound circle, who we've covered a bit of and talked about a lot. The, the last one we we did was the uh, the, the, the sort of yeah Gabastock, the garage rocking one. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're kind of sonically a bit of an outlier, right? This is much closer to the core of the sound. Um, you know, uh, the Corpse End stuff, sort of stompy, stompy heathen Danish black metal that is spiritually akin to the Legion Blowtown stuff in the UK or the, um, and, di- you know, descended via a number of leapfrogs from the sort of Claxon Records or uh, Youth Attacks in the US. Um, well, is that would there be any relation to like uh, Fonbearer? Fonbearer is a corpse on band, my friend. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Fonbearer. Uh, yeah, no. We we've, we talk about them on the show, but we haven't covered them yet, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but uh, Fonbearer, good band. Um, and uh, other than that, you people who follow that scene might know uh, Jesper does uh, Eric Hare, uh and Eric Hare, and uh, Eric does uh, Yordslet. Uh, I think that member Eric's a member in your slate. Um and uh, they're both in a band called Blot and Bod, which is a little bit more hi-fi, uh, like just more, you know, less sort of like uh, raw, raw, raw punk black metal combo, and a little more hi-fi. But the songs are still very, very stripped down and power chord oriented. Maybe even more so than some of the other bands. Um, uh, and also, yes, uh, Jesper has done some recording and producing on this scene, and has a sick techno project called Tarnish Spirit Spirer. <laughs> okay. I don't know, it probably means something about something spires, I would hope. Um, um, so yeah, so this record, right? So yeah, band name obviously means brother. Uh, album title uh, translates as The Highest Smith. Uh, you know who that is, right? Um, and the uh, it's got a just big old Thor's hammer on the cover, uh, crushing skull. <laughs> but um, so the, this is like really. I found I was like, God, we got to have some. You know, it used to be like I was just constantly bringing pagan black metal on here, right? Mm-hmm. And and now now like the last couple of weeks, it's just been all sort of like a murky cavernous black death. 
Um, yeah. Uh, and various other things. So um, I was like, okay, time to time to get back on that. Uh, and I was looking around, and uh, as soon as I found this, I was like, hell yeah! Like twelve, like twelve seconds in to the first thing I clicked on, I was like, hell yeah! Um, <laughs> this this is this is quite this is there's a good chance this is year end material for me. Mm-hmm. Just like in terms of it's just purity and vigor and uh, uh, rabid attack. Um, it does a lot of things that I, I always love in black metal, and that is, you know, we, we you know, we always say is, is too scarce nowadays. One is, ra- you know, this go-for-the-throat aggression. Um, uh, a raw sound that is powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. Big guitar sound, but extremely sort of, uh, extremely in the red and fuzzy. Um, uh, it's like, in some sense, they're called a bulldozer guitar tone. Um, yeah. As like the bulldozer bass, right from from you know Venom and all those bands, um, and uh, what it does at the sort of songwriter and composition level is like this is how to make black metal that sounds pagan without using sort of a lot of the typical signals for that, right? You know, troped folk melodies or whatever that can mm. be great. I love a lot of stuff like that. Or the other thing that's become big now and has sort of converged with the troped folk melody would be those riffs we all know which right the uh, <laughs> the, the, the sliding senior of Aland and for the franco finnish the, the franco finnish budget epic riff um and uh you know so how do you do it without using either of these things um and without and putting it as distant as possible from the tendency towards pop that uh both those tendencies in pagan black metal sometimes have right mm-hmm. um so yeah, uh, this is it's a cool way of it doesn't sound satanic, it doesn't sound sort of like it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't have a punk atmosphere per se it sounds like extreme metal as you said in the notes um, mm-hmm. but it is very punk um, as far as other comparisons, yeah, so like the guitar tone and the stompy stuff has a lot to do with the Legion Blotan um but different emphasis, less stomp, more speed here. Um, different production, right? There's less. Em- this is the, the Legion Blowtown stuff is almost all kind of eccentric in different ways. This is just very down the line in a way that I really appreciate. Uh, and as far as things that I would compare to, all this is kind of you know immediately around contemporary bands. It's pretty distinctive. Um, but there's stuff that's spiritually akin, namely um, a band who are like one of my favorite nowadays bands who I always forget to mention on the show, but I've been listening to them a lot. Finland's Hate Spirit, all one word. Um, and uh, also, uh, you, you, uh, you know, uh, your old favorites, uh, Eisensker. <laughs> just just a, a, bit, a band that was a bit, yeah, just a bit not Death Metal Guy's flavor. Uh, um, but a band I quite liked. Um and they're from from England, and what both of them do is sort of full band, you know, raw full band playing, pagan black metal, uh, influence coming directly from punk, like Discharge and stuff, uh, and like how those things actually sounded, um, and driving and furious, but still with and without a lot of the classic cues for pagan or epic or melodic but still with some color and nobility to it yeah so what do you make of it uh i actually i had a lot of fun with this not as much as you just because this is literally engineered by god for you 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, by Thor, buddy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did end up liking this. Uh, so what to what to compare it to? Well, I I mean I can hear the relation to something like Gabastok, even though that's obviously coming from a very different angle. But they're kind of revolving around similar ideas. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a big one being sort of primordial extreme metal and punk fused together. Um, I'm still hearing a lot of the touches of sort of like bestial burst stuff uh, mm -hmm. that uh, I referenced regarding Gabastuk. You know, I was talking a little bit about stuff like Flooded mm -hmm. Church of Asmodeus. Um, and this is a lot closer to the main line of extreme metal than that, but it's still got its odd quality. And I, I was thinking for a while, what makes this so kind of different? What what makes this so unusual to my ear? And I think that's because I it's a it's a very interesting kind of definitional question because this is in a sense a black metal record, but what I hear is uh, reaching back towards very kind of primitive, ugly death thrash stuff. Um, for sure. Yeah, like I, this is this definitely goes towards like Master and Death Strike territory for me. Yeah, God, and we I, need I, to just do something on Master and Death Strike, don't we? Yeah, we really um, should. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that where that comes from is it's almost like a structural thing to this music. Because mm -hmm. um, one thing that surprised me is how kind of like this is mosh music. Oh all yeah. The way. Oh yeah. No, just, I, I, it was uh, it was tested. Yeah, there's there's huge knuckle dragging mosh riffs across this whole record, which is very surprising when they're doing this like almost kind of war metal blasting stuff uh, with those kind of like barbarian heroic melodies that you're really into, mm -hmm. and I can appreciate also. Sure. Um, so I think the things that excited me most were the things that were sort of pulling on the threads of hardcore that were tucked away in early extreme metal. And bringing them out, mm -hmm. fleshing them out, and kind of reincorporating them. Um, so I, I thought it was a really interesting listen, and I would I would like to hear it expanded on a little more, just because this is this is a record with like three or four ideas, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there might be more to expand on to make it a little bit more varied, but given the short running time and everything, I can't complain. It was a, it was a fun experience all the way through. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'd say this is a very... It's an EP, but it's a substantial EP. You know, they've got some banger tracks with some really good sort of nasty uh, sort of... Like, s sort of Old Norse-sounding samples that that really sound like the uh, the grit and the, the mud under the mud under the fingers and on the boots and you know uh, you know blood slopping everywhere and uh, you know metal scraping on things it's very sounds uh, like it's sounds like it's pulled from VHS tapes of like Viking movies from the 80s you know yeah it's cool it's very corporeal probably a bit of you know the the, the spirit you know we always say that bone all is overrated which is true um mm -hmm. Just on, on a riff by on like the the riff level. Uh, however, we both really like the Bonal vibe and the lyrics, right? And so yeah. something about that um, uh, completely. I mean, black metal's already kind of unromanticized view of these things, but like really unromanticized, sort of a nakedly physical and tangible view of this sort of crazed this sort of ancient world, right? That's this, mm -hmm. this band has a lot of that. Um, 
Yeah, so let's go to, um, uh, you know, a track that'll knock you on your ass. Um, uh, I guess, Stull It, Stull It, Stull It, I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing maybe that means steal or something, but I haven't looked it up yet. Uh, anyway, uh, starts from the beginning, let's roll. Staggered chug on the uh, on the stompy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, that's that's lethal. Um, well, you also love this because the the main like blast riff is like their play on the devil lock riff. I was gonna say yes, <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> You've taught me well, sir. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, good. You're learning. Um, um, yes, it's the devil lock riff for sure. So that's one way to make your extremely raw punky black metal sound epic is you use the crushing sort of Dorian scale. We listen to heavy metal, but we're not trying to sound like it thing of later misfits. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, so there, there's for sure a lot of that. Just like hit those big, dark, you know, power chord intervals. Um, uh, but still cool dissonant turns thrown in there. Um, uh, really, I mean, the thing that's, you know, in terms of, uh, sort of like, yeah, also the other part that sounded very misfits, it just, once it steps into the, in, once it goes into the, uh, you know, the, uh, the one, two beat, it's, it's pretty, yeah. the, the, just a lot of the, the rhythmic, a lot of the basic patterns here are a lot like that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe more than I thought on first listen. Like when I was listening back to it, we were thinking the thing, basically the same thing. Um, yeah. Uh, but from um, 
uh, towards the end, right, they start to tear out these, like, octa trauma octaves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those, scre- you know, sort of screaming octaves that add some melodic color and that have that kind of sawing on an ancient string instrument vibe that we love. Uh, and the band that you know those thing, those and things like that do sort of show up in Hate Forest, but the band that really is known for that stuff is Boltzer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I mean, you like the later Boltzer stuff. I kind of thought they jumped the shark very quickly, um, but I still swear by that first EP, you know. Um, and they really captured something about uh, um, eerie, high tension, sort of uh, frenzied sounding barbarian music. Yeah, um, you know, no. uh, with, Bol- Bolter, trans by the Wolf's Hook, man, the riff of a decade. Bolts are the most important band in metal for six months. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much, um, yeah, and like, yeah, I hate to be that guy, but I still only like the first, only like Entrance by the Wolf's Hook. I, 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 I still think if you went back to Hero, you'd find more to enjoy at this point. Hero, uh. I do that. You just gotta fucking believe in it. You just gotta believe in it, dude. Mm, um, (laughs) But um, but anyway, point being, so what's cool is that that is now coming. The only other band I can think of recently that does shit like that is very not doesn't sound like this. Have this sort of pagan barbarian tone at all? It's uh, that that one. I'm gonna forget the name. There's a really really nasty um, uh, black death band that does it, but um. This is um, here, right? It's being pulled out of Bolzer, which is pretty technical, right? He's that guy uses a guitar with a lot of strings on it. Um, it's a it's a very strange guitar. It's like a uh, a ten string guitar with yeah. like a five five regular strings and five mm-hmm. octets, which is I'm, I'm I, I was always surprised after Bolzer blew up that more people didn't try that. But yeah, yeah. and so you know that's sort of and it's fancy in the way that the sort of. Uh, arrogant thrash kind of war metal stuff is right it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty technical um this is very raw go for the throat music but good news you can still use pagan reptile brain drone octaves um and you know they even do it on the uh on these sort of varied they've got nicely varied turnarounds on that basic riff and when they go back to it at the end you heard it the sample ended it right there they do it too fast they do it really fast so it just whiplashes around but um that's some of the octaves again too and uh i really like that use of that incorporation of that technique into stuff that's on the more sort of uh bare bones of the spectrum Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, actually, listening to this again, what this is reminding me, I, I don't know how I didn't, this didn't occur to me when I first listened to it. The closest thing this is onto the show, at least from kind of a, a structural or, or, or conceptual perspective, would be that uh, Insertus record we covered a while back. Oh, I kind of get what you mean. Like, it sounds new, very new-sounding stuff built with entirely sort of eccentric old-school ingredients. <laughs> Yeah, the idea of this this sort of like a n- n- fever dream revisiting of primordial extreme metal because, like, listening to this again, it's like there's a lot of parts of this that can be built from Death Strike and Bathory parts, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but but now it, it's it's so blown out or, and over the or, top, it has a different character. Or creator parts, honestly, too. You know. Oh yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. Uh, a- like any sort of like. 
brutal thrash stuff. Yeah. 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 So it's um. Yeah, I, I hear that. Yeah, the Insertus also, you know, this band, where this and the Insertus record literally converges around the Insertus Bathory cover, right? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the, the bizarre Nightmare Bathory songs they do on that yeah, record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Bathory tuned down to G. Um, yeah. But so, but so anyway. Well, yeah, let me get to another sample. Um, so this is off uh, Smedgen. So there's, mm-hmm. it's like, this is a, an EP with like four full songs and a, a lot of like ambient interludes. And uh, Smedgen is the uh, first full song. So I uh, I want to talk about kind of the hardcore thing. Or, you know, mm-hmm. very like, it's, it's interesting the kind of DNA of the hardcore in this because you can see this liminal space they're accessing between early hardcore punk and hardcore as it would divorce itself from punk later down the mm-hmm. road, mm-hmm. Um, as well as just a ton of classic Celtic Frost. But mm-hmm. the, way they, the way they execute those kinds of riffs is honestly kind of novel. I haven't heard anything quite like it. Um, so let's listen to this sample of Smedgen, and the centerpiece here is going to be this big, like Celtic Frost hardcore breakdown. And uh, well, you I, sold I, me. <laughs> I'm sure this is a part you already love. So yeah. <laughs> let's go. guy this is the last record i ever expected to have a massive crowd kill part on the first song but but here we are my expectations have been defied (laughs) yeah Yeah. no it's uh, so that's awesome as soon as i heard that obviously my ears perked up and i i love how it's so it's so primordial and it connects to so many things that you can headbang to it you can push mosh to it or you can literally spin kick the air to it Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it really brings all the kids together in that one moment, you know? That, that is true. And imagine the carnage. 
Oh, yeah. All three of those things should be happening in the pit. Happening at once. <laughs> Simultaneously, yes. Um, uh, another thing, listening back, that I find interesting is uh, I, I was describing um, the blast sections as kind of like war metal parts, but that's not, that's not really accurate. What they are is, well, some of them have the kind of pagan bolzer octave thing that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but the, the really kind of nasty, gnarly ones are really more like... Um, Second Side of Scum by Napalm Death. Just these, like, yeah, hyper-speed yeah, yeah. chromatic the kind best of power parts of, The best parts of Scum, which also have howling octaves on them. Yeah, yeah, sometimes they do. Definitely. Um, so, it's interesting. You know, because I, I think that's always a component that a lot of people uh, forget about early extreme metal was how important a lot of the early grindcore stuff was. And I think that it's cool to see some of those ideas come back relatively quote-unquote untainted, you know? I like that they just are there as what they are. They're primitive grind riffs, you know, that you would hear from Siege or something, which I think connects to the whole kind of punk vibe of this record. Yeah, I, you know, I wrote in the notes Black Grind or something, um, because, it, you know, does it, you know, what's the grind chorus smell test? Well, does it grind? Um, and, uh, yeah, it grinds. Um, yeah, it definitely so, grinds. So, like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, certainly you can also just talk about those riffs as blasted out discharge riffs in some way. Uh, and, of course, that would be an Napalm Death riff. Right? I was about to say uh, that. Well, that's just all Napalm Death was for the first well, album. So. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I really loved that, you know, now okay you could do a panzer division martyr version of that but what that really is is kind of like this kind of like blasted pulsed version of you know original discharge riffing um i was i was thinking of the even dumber one that's just like over and over again the other band that reminds me of the or that was doing that that with that kind of pulsed one that i i was talking about um the other band that this reminds me of is Malveillance, which these guys probably oh, yeah. are familiar with because it's so in their specific niche of blown out noise black metal. Yeah, and there is this whole kind of like uh, outside looking in kind of crust vibe, you know, mm-hmm. it, looking into crust, you know, not looking into metal. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like crust ideas being approached from people who speak black metal as a native language. Yes. Because yes. I was yeah, describing yeah, yeah. in the notes, because uh, what mm-hmm. this reminds me of more than anything, like the immediate impression I get is off a lot of the kind of crusty Eastern European death grind stuff that I really enjoy coming out of uh, coming out of like Poland and Ukraine and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, definitely not the same musically, but there's an immediate sort of like animal instinct to that Sim- similar kind of kicks like okay let's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah it's like For let's sure. do let's do a song it's got like nasty grinding blast parts a couple big breakdowns yeah. maybe some weird shit that's personal to us and then just kick out the jams motherfucker you know i think you know and i think you're right about napalm death it's weird to me when i was younger i and had you know sort of was like learning music history or whatever it seemed obvious to me that napalm death was super relevant to all this stuff right and then you just sort of forget about them oh yeah like yeah in a way they're in a way napalm death are so irrelevant to what to black and death metal and to what they've become uh, and you start to realize, oh, this and that, blast beat. Oh, I thought Napalm Death invented blast beats. Oh, well, turns out a lot of that was coming from, like, Creator or a Repulsion or 
whatever, whatever, right? But in you, mm. you know, in my head, when I was like eighteen or nineteen, right? It's like, oh, napalm death, blast beats. Um, <laughs> but it is true that they were really important, and there is cool guitar shit on Scum that is, yeah, well worth revisiting. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, okay, but to be fair, regarding napalm death and the blast beat. Uh, had the blast beat not existed, it would be necessary to create it. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Nobody um, gets ownership over the blast beat. <laughs> it's it's something for the people. It's what what? It's for the people. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, no. So um, so with uh, yeah, it was it was in the wa. Everyone was everyone was approaching the blast beat. You know, it's um, but uh. Egg, so this one is Egan. This is less grindy, uh, more of a focus on the on the time honored tradition of the stomp. Um, and uh, the track starts off with blasting, like a lot of them, but this one's really just about like driving two steps. Um, and we've got one of the more out there or atmospheric moments in the middle. So let's see how they open it up. sort of uh, v- vast open moment in the middle with that kind of like, you know, the chugs and the sort of wailing wailing guitar. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think um, I, I remember that from, you know, my initial listens to this and mm-hmm. I, I gotta say that's not really my thing because I, I think these guys have such a great momentum when they're doing this very straightforward, deliberately primitive stuff. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the section, but for me at least, it's like, th- that's not what I'm here for on this music. And I think it's like, it's kind of an interrupter 
between a lot of stuff that I, I just like more. When I click on it, it sounds cool, right? Like, I just clicked back to it to make sure I remembered how it sounded like. The thing is, it certainly, um... The way they're using it to showcase the higher end of the guitar, which otherwise you just hear on the on the octaves and stuff, um, mm -hmm. and to draw that out is pretty cool. It's not a usual kind of black metal-y gesture to do. If anything, it's kind of like ever like an ever-flowing stream kind of thing to do. Yeah, I can like see a that. Really yeah. punked out version of it, right? You know, you you chug on the low note, you throw your hair back, you do some like high string stuff, you chug. You know, um, it's, um, you stare around with really big eyes at everyone in the audience. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it's pretty cool, but you could imagine, yeah, I could imagine a version of it with more memorable phrases in it. Um, and I could imagine, I think you're right that, um, yeah, I, I actually think you're right. Like it's 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 original. It's it's original and well done. The other thing I can think of is sort of the tones on early enslaved, which is again cool. Uh, probably mm. a big reference point here. Actually, early enslaved also grinds really hard, and has similar mm. kinds of uh, tense, um, sinuous kinds of melodies in it. Um, well, which is but, which is sort of a, a fundamental part of this band's sound. Also, are these yeah. kind of. Uh, kind of almost like I would call them like almost shamanic kind mm -hmm. of uh, mm -hmm. winding melodies uh, mm -hmm. that can be tucked away within inside the blast riffs or they can be more opened up like that um, and here's a great example of that my segues are getting so good <laughs> damn so here's I didn't a even called... know you were a segue and that was smooth oh god <laughs> I penetrate you and you don't even know it <laughs> Um, okay, so a song called Hayden. Um, so this is awesome. We're going to go right from the beginning. And the first couple riffs uh, could be taken from arguably the greatest band that never did an album ever, which is Ripikolu. Um, but you'll hear these sort of strange keening dissonant chords at the end of the phrases, which seems to be like a trademark of this band's guitar style, or these sort of abstract endings to conventional riffs. Uh, and then you're going to hear some really cool rhythmic variation stuff that goes right back to um, early mid-era Bathory, this kind of like stop-starting for all those who died type stuff that I know you're mm -hmm. a big fan of. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, just listen to the way these guys are taking these very old stylistic ideas, late 80s, early 90s, and then recontextualizing them into something that sounds very distinct to this band in particular.
for obvious reasons, we're very guitar-centric on the show, but something I actually really appreciate about this album is the fact that the despite the the mood and the style of this music, the drums aren't sloppy. There's a lot of rigor to them, and I think in this case, like, the precision they're played with actually mm-hmm. adds to the kind of, like, intense martial vibe of this music. I think that's really cool. Um, so, also, on, on the note of things that we always forget to talk about... Um, I think we talk about drums more than vocals. Um, and, we almost uh, never talk about vocals. Yeah, weird. in part because that's just the, yeah, that's like, you know, as far as music criticism, that's noob shit, right? But, um, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you know, um, the harsh, <laughs> the harsh vocals convey an emotion of anguish. <laughs> emotion of anguish. Yes, of course. Uh, um. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Anyway, moving on. So they, uh, the vocals are really good. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I'm not usually a big fan of the like super blown out reverb stuff, but I think it really works here. It would sound raw without the reverb too. You can tell those are like, and those are vocals that would, you know, black metal bands you hear sort of things like that, but those are very uh, hardcorey vocals and also primitive '80s death, right? Those are cr- or crust vocals. Those are like primitive puke vocals, which yeah, are yeah, my yeah. favorites. All right, and he just really, you know, deep deep sound um lots of fry vomit and and there's inflection thrown in i don't know if he's sing. i could imagine this being a lot of the parts seem written to be yelled while being played mm-hmm. you know i can imagine somebody i can imagine him just sort of furiously elbow tremming this and yelling right to perform live no, that's um, correct. I, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, it definitely does sound like this is designed to be played live with the way the guitars are arranged against the vocals. Yeah, and so when, when he does that, you know, you can't do... That means you can't do certain fancy things. But what it does mean is he's embellishing the ad-lib quality of his great. He's doing... he's He'll twist around his phrase or he'll do more of a, a snarl or whatever to accent certain um, turns in the guitar part. Uh, and that's the sort of thing where when you're playing live, you can be feeding directly off the guitar energy. Yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot more uh, flexibility to doing it live where that sort of mm-hmm. thing lends itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think, uh, no, like I said, that, I mean, I pretty much covered it at the top of that sample, but I I, I like the way they're, like I said, those first couple riffs, straight out of Ripicolo's kind of catalog. Mm-hmm. Just those like primitive kind of like dust-covered, almost doomy death metal riffs. But then they start throwing those those big delay-washed guitar mm-hmm. twists at the end of the phrases and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. The, you know, the the ultimate vibe is something that's like very martial and barbaric, but it's it's kind of mystical too. You know, it's understated, but it's there. And I think that adds a lot of depth to it. Yeah, man, it's like uh, taking the mushrooms from the, you know, uh, take, taking the mushrooms from the sorcerer so you can see the, uh, you can see the arrows coming in slow motion. Hey all, this is Brandon from Cromlight, and you're listening to Terminus. Alright, we are back with uh, what is apparently the fourth full length by Luminous Veil, uh, Vespers for the Lumen Lane. Um, these guys have done four full-length records over the past few years, which is something I usually, you know, kind of raise an eyebrow at for no real good reason. I mean, people are capable of being prolific and being good. Um, 
So I, I had never heard of these guys before. Oh, I forgot to mention up top, this is released on a BMC Productions, uh, Black Metal Catalog Productions, apparently. Um, and this is extremely difficult to describe because it feels like there's all sorts of influences coming from all over the map on this. Um, the core of it is based on a certain sort of post-black sensibility in that there's a lot of emo inflection to a lot of the riffs, um, some sort of expansive kind of wandering post-rock style song structures. But then there's a big influence from uh, what I think is kind of deep cut 2000s symphonic black metal. Like uh, I go to a band that used to be extremely popular and nobody talks about it anymore called Mirror Throne. Uh, Literally never heard of. They were... It was it was a big deal in like the early to mid two thousands, and then the guy kind of stopped doing stuff, and it just kind of fell away with time. But it's very interesting. It, it was kind of on the cutting edge of being able to do bedroom black metal that sounded good and professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy had a lot of technical know how, especially for the time, and was just producing these records in his home. Um, so there's a lot of that. Uh, there's, I think, a lot of winter filleth, a lot of... Oh, that's kinda, probably true. Slow winter filleth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of riffs on this that are sort of patterned after the Swart, va- the Swart Raven kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as well as just a lot of, you know, kind of like Finnish or Cascadian black metal. And I know in aggregate, all of this put together sounds like a fucking nightmare. You know, it's like, it's it's a lot of things we don't generally enjoy put together in one place. But ultimately, I, I've been listening to this uh, several times now, and I think this has a lot to offer. Uh, I don't think it's, the kinks are perfectly worked out yet. I have issues with the record, but lately, one of my big tests for do I really like a record is does it make me want to pick up a guitar and explore some of those ideas? And this one did. Uh, Because they have spins on the typical kind of post-black arrangements that I think are pretty unique, uh, even if they're relatively simple in execution. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. I just I, I found this one really interesting. I know you've got I know you've got complicated feelings about this one, so I'll flip it over to you. I suppose a record like this should evoke complicated feelings, right? It's called yeah, Vespers for the Lumen Lane. It's like a, <laughs> a record to have a complicated feel to. Um, but um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like um, this one threw me for a loop. I expected just based on what you wrote in the notes. Um, which is, uh, I'm pretty curious about your opinion because I think it appears to be a synthesis of almost everything you hate in a package I think is remarkably good. <laughs> that's, that's what the death metal guy wrote to me in the notes. Um, and yeah, that's definitely, I, I can see that being true. Um, I definitely, I don't hate it. Um, and I think that there's a lot of it is quite skillful. Um, and I don't just mean that in the sort of like from a distance saying, oh, that's uh, well done, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, like there's some very cool ideas here uh a thing that stuck out to me is like um the slow winter filler thing definitely hits for me and resonates with something i heard about it where it's like i'm not familiar with mirror throne or a lot of stuff like that what it it sounds to me like the main 
scaffolding in the guitar parts is this kind of way of doing these drawn out melodies that you would get in a sort of romantic funeral doom or gothic death doom even stuff like i mean i always mentioned i always got to plug october tide i re-listened to that record last week um rain without end it's fucking brilliant um october tide or like you know you talk about november's doom and shit like that um mm-hmm. uh th- this sort of um these kind of these these kind of doom riffs with these big slow slashing chords where you can see the guitar is just sort of punching the guitar and then these long drawn out leads right and the leads have these kind of medieval medieval dorian scale melodies and they're full of dolorous lamenting right um mm-hmm. and that seems to be the baseline musical element of it and the thing is when you when i hear that i'm like okay sign me the fuck up <laughs> i like I, I like that stuff right um, you know, this sort of like very English sounding medieval, uh, kind of elegiac medieval stuff. Sure. Cool. Um, the, uh, and what this band seems to do to me is like, they take that way of writing melodies, which you would also get in winter especially those slow parts where they kind of do whip out the tandem guitars and get a little indulgent. Mm-hmm. I mean, which are also, there are times when that makes me turn it off with winter but like, I feel like, especially on the latest record, I really liked a lot of those parts. Um, uh, so that's cool, and and you know, but the mood here is certainly a lot more Winterfella than like, you know, um, Peaceville or whatever, right? Like this is mm-hmm. pretty um, positive music in some sense, right? It's very solemn. Yeah. It's still solemn, which I think is important, but there is a kind of exuberant ecstatic feel to it right yeah i was uh, gonna maybe use the word ecstatic well maybe, maybe I, I would agree with ecstasy. that slow there's a, ecstasy. a sort of there's a sort of joyous quality to this it's like it's like it, it's interesting like reading the lyrics which are <laughs> i guess i guess i'd be joyous too if i had a wistful contraction in the heart of night <laughs> but it's interesting, I, feel, like, I feel joyous every time I have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, chief. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so uh, the lyrics uh, tend to be sort of like emotive and introspective, but then I I feel like the music is you know this sort of joyous outburst of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's like I, I said in the notes. It's like is this what liturgy would sound like if they were good? You I don't know? get. I didn't get that. I, I didn't get that. No, no. The idea of you know black metal or something like black Being metal positive. as a vessel for you know, kind of joy, you know, and expansiveness, well, which is obviously band, not. Yeah, a band that does do that that this guy probably listens to is Obsequia. Okay, um, I'm not familiar with that at all. Oh, uh, you'd like it a lot. It's really, um, it's like the early dark tranquility stuff on but by guys who spend some time studying actual medieval music. It's okay. pretty one-dimensional, but the one trick is a good trick. And I love bands mood, that do one trick yeah. really well. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the, 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 they're very elaborate riffs. Um, and, mm-hmm. in a cer- and they're paced much differently from regular black metal songs. They have this kind of loping, mid-tempo pace that's closer to, like, comes from listening to how medieval songs move. Um, and they... Uh, and the mood is very exuberant. Um, okay, I can get into and that. So th- this is kind of like Obsequia. And the other thing I'm thinking, 
given that this band is named uh, Luminous Veil, I'm wondering if it has any inspiration from Ethereal Shroud, right? Maybe they were using the same. Uh, maybe they were using the same highbrow internet black metal name generator. But like, <laughs> um, uh, but like that guy, he's disappeared for a long time, but he's returning soon, which is cool. Well, we'll definitely cover that. Uh, but is a black funeral doom fusion that again sounds very English in this way that's sort of difficult to put your finger on, but you know it when you hear it. Um, and has a sort of, it's bleak, but it's much bleaker than this, but it's also ecstatic bleakness. You know, it's just like, oh God, you look up and you see all the ravens swirling over the old, you know, over the remains of the abbey and, you know, clouds moving overhead and you're just like, yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like two bands I really need to check out. Yeah, no, you'd, you'd like that too. And it's, it's very earnest and it will appeal to post black people, you know? It, but it also the last that last record came out years ago. It was ahead of a number of curves. Um, hmm, so, okay. so yeah, like this reminds me of that too. And with that, you can hear these funeral doom inflections in the melodies, but they're all sped up. Um, so I think that this band is doing something kind of like that in terms of the basic form of the riffs. I'll give you an example of that now. I've kind of okay. already tried to describe what they're like structurally. Um, um, these el elongated uh, capital G gothic cathedral kind of riffs, right? Um, the problem is to me that these riffs are fucking weird, man. They, yeah. um, they never end, and um, I, I'm not sure I get it. So the, his particular version of this style. So we're going to start on Wistful Contraction in the, oh, sorry, Wistful Contraction in the Heart of Blight. Well, that's a good time. Um, but, um, <laughs> uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna we're, we're gonna check out two minutes from here. This is well into the track, um, and we're gonna start on a nice stompy version of the main theme. A little blast beat, and then let's see where things go from there.
You know, at first I was a little confused about the, uh, you're uh, relating it to kind of romantic doom death or funeral doom stuff, mm-hmm. but then listening to that again, I realized what this really sounds like, especially that riff and the, mm-hmm. the sort of complex arrangement of it, what it reminds mm-hmm. me of is something we listened to uh, right before our break. I, I played a sample of Warning, which has oh, similar... yeah, like, yeah, it very, does sound like Warning lingering kind of sprawling doom riffs that mm-hmm. never really resolve in the way you expect them to you know yeah and asunder did that a bit too but those mm-hmm. were more like just heavy riffs um yeah oh warning had it but it had this folky kind of thing that was stringing it together Another another British band, so we're, that seems oh, to be a thread here. Interesting. I bet this guy likes Warning then. Yeah, and I mean this is folky too, but much more at second hand via as processed by Winter Filleth and Doom bands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But um, but so what's weird to me about that is like um, you know, like there's this continual staggering lurching feeling to the riffs. Uh, yeah, it never it never settles in, and you know, yeah, you're supposed to like sw- let the riffs swing out over these big chords and then reel it back in and all that, and you're supposed to have syncopation and push and pull. That's true, and that's awesome that he he knows how to do that, right? Because many bands can't do that, right? But um, mm-hmm. uh, um, and the then there are these broken beats like on the drum machine. Yeah. Which, I mean, sound like... I mean, like... I don't know, man. Like, I... I it's almost I'm breakbeat not one, type stuff. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me... I, I think those are not helping. Um, and they are... Uh, I think maybe a certain kind of more consistent... Um, uh, more consistent metal-esque drumming uh, mm-hmm. could help give these riffs... Or especially a live drummer, right? A live drummer could write musical musical fill patterns that would help shape the riffs in relation to them. Um, That's interesting. I, I think this is just going to be a, a pure difference in taste thing, mm-hmm. but one of my favorite aspects of this record is the, the drum programming and how kind of strange it is. Oh, you know, God. I, I really love the the strange kind of like janky mechanical quality of the drum machine, like how it's, it's, it's so maximalist compared to a lot of the riffing. Well, Uh, you can't say the drumming isn't like, it's definitely original and it's definitely authentic. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, because it doesn't sound like a drum machine programmed by a drummer, but it sounds like (laughs) a, it sounds like a very painstaking process of translating something in the head out onto, you know, your your digital audio workstation. And the weirdness of it is something that I really appreciate. I don't know. I think it's, it sounds like the outcome of listening to Venetian Stairs and fucking around a garage band. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, and? But like, um... I guess what I find the drums to be actively working against the guitars throughout the record. Um, okay. And, uh, like, but the guitars, and, and I wonder, I wonder with the drums, I mean, my more, you know, uh, 
j jokes aside, I, I wonder with the guitar, the drums, it's like maybe he has this very limited, you know, you know, he, he's he's only got so much he can do with the drum machine. Uh, and the idea is, I know that I don't want to have one of those projects where they, where I people just use canned drum beats, right? Mm -hmm. That's totally respectable, right? And at the same time, he also knows he's writing these kinds of long, developing riffs that have these swaying rhythms in them that straight beat-oriented drumming isn't really well suited to. So he's like, I need to put... I need to try to make the drum programming better and and create these sort of intricate rhythms that play to the riffs. Like, it sounds to me almost like he's trying to imitate musician-y drumming mm -hmm. with a drum machine. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm like, guessing... I'm, I almost wonder if he's trying too hard to make it good and interesting on the drums. I, I think it might just be a matter of influences because I think another thing that I'm hearing on this record, and this is going to be, like, totally outside your wheelhouse, but have you ever listened to, like, a... Neoblivascaris. I don't know what that is. They're a they're an Australian group who do like the sort of like technical extreme metal that like metal heads don't really listen to anymore. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. it's 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 black metal for gent kids. You know, um, and it's actually it's pretty cool for what it is. But I I, I think that something like that with this very, like, overbearing kind of progressive or jazzy quality um, is probably something they're listening to and trying to kind of translate on the drums. And, I yeah, I, I would say this is probably just, like, a matter of tasting. But I, I do have a sample later on that I think, okay. yeah, will will kind of at, at least improve my point about the drum machine. It's like, okay, okay, so there's something offered here that can't be offered by a human. Okay, you know? I accidentally got sidetracked by the drums, uh, but this sort of applies to the guitars too, is that I feel like the riffs just start, after we get through the blast beats there, the riff starts to sort of um, disintegrate. It goes through all these, um, there are all these little embellishments and frills and uh, kind of, callbacks and things that are all rhythmically staggered in this strange way and mm -hmm. they tend to continually sound like they're interrupting each other and all the, the individual phrases are often great right the main mm -hmm. riff has great individual phrases but even the main riff as it develops will sort of have this sort of drop in drop out self-interrupt tweak and I, I feel like he has the he has the compositional skill to take real melodic units that are substantial and to make long developmental sequences from them, but these mm -hmm. seem to like lose power as they go. Okay, I, I I think I understand what you mean. I I I have a different assessment of it, but I I can definitely get where you're coming from. So uh, yeah. So point being, I'm being a jerk on this one. I, the the my overall feeling about the record is more positive. Right? You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. I like the style. In a lot of ways, I like the style, and I like riffing like this, and I think he's a good bit better at it than many people who play versions of it that I would find more listenable. Um, and so the question is how... Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's to a certain extent, this is... Uh, yeah, I, I, I do not... Um, not only do I not hate this, I think I'm saying this from a perspective of tough love criticism, where it's like, I kind of like the thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah.
I gotcha. Well, in that case, uh, I'll bring in one of my samples that's a, a little bit more straightforward. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of the proof in the pudding that these guys have real chops in terms of making sort of post-black riffs that have real energy and real elegance behind them and have that elemental quality that, you know, something that we've said in some form or fashion on the show is like, if you're a real black metal guitarist, you can make an amazing riff out of like four notes, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think these guys pull that off uh, with surprising regularity. Um, So let's go to Balms on the Wellspring Scar. Um, So you're going to hear... A lot of stuff you've kind of heard before, but the way they resolve the riffs tends to be different from the standard uh, post-black modus operandi. Um, obviously, these guys are listening to like a lot of Deaf Heaven, that kind of thing, but Deaf Heaven tries to approximate black metal riffs. These guys <laughs> are doing... A, a lot of the, the like really fast, intense stuff is just screamo riffs played unbelievably fast and intensely, you know, very heaven in her arm style, which as everyone who's listening knows is like one of my favorite bands. So let's listen to this one here. And also let's pay attention to the synths, um, which are a really big part of this record and almost never just back up the guitars. They're always playing around with different melodies and different kind of uh, harmonic ideas uh, against the riffs. Um, So uh, let's try this one out. And uh, I'm curious what you think about this. So uh, what I think is interesting there is that obviously a lot of those riffs are opening like standard post-black arrangements, you know, the big, you know, glistening, soaring lead line. 
but they always tend to conclude in a different matter. You know, something that's a little bit, a little bit deeper, a little bit more harmonically interesting. You know, so you're getting kind of the the big post-black kicks that everybody likes, but there's more depth to it. I feel. Yeah, I mean, just immediately. Um, yeah, I think they do better when there is. Um, Although he has a talent for writing those long line, swinging doom riffs, I think the band is firing on all cylinders when they're doing the denser stuff, when they're filling in more space. And also when yeah. the middle space between the guitar parts and the drums is filled in more. Um, oh, you know what? These guys are probably listening to a lot of Kralis, aren't they? I have no idea, man. I don't think we know. I'm doing some metal archive <laughs> stalking right now, and uh, it's um, I'm I'm not sure actually. I have uh, so well, there's something about know. the sound quality of this where they're kind of uh, oh, it's the, like this Kralis's arty imitation of shitty sound. Well, just the idea of like having this sort of vast emptiness in the mid range, you know. This sort of like white hot mm. high pitched guitar tone against the drums. Yeah, I actually could see that. Um, uh, and Kralis are actually decent when they use their powers for good rather than evil. Um, or I suppose <laughs> for for evil rather than good. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but, like, you know, yeah, I, I definitely liked the keyboards layering on. You mentioned Caladan Brood as an influence on this. I imagine that's one reason the drums are so aggressively programmed here, is that it's a style convention. Yeah, like, that was that so, was something I, I mean, forgot the to mention. Beady, yeah. The breakbeaty quality is, like, you know, eccentric to this band, but, like, the idea of having overtly very programmed drums and just kind of reveling in it, that's Caladan and Summoning, right? Or especially yes. Caladan. Yeah, especially on some of the slower parts of this music, I think that it's like, it's summoning, but I mean, 10 years ago we would have said summoning, but now everybody listens to Caladan Brood. No, it sounds like, more like Caladan Brood. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's probably one reason I don't like those parts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm the Caladan Brood defender, so... <laughs> <laughs> but sort of like, so going off but that... But I did listen to some summoning a while back, and I did like it. Summoning's good, man. It took yeah. me a long time to get into it. I think Caladan Brood just has those big fucking pop hooks, you know? Mm -hmm. Summoning doesn't have those, um, which can be to the benefit or the detriment of the band, depending on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, so, kind of extending directly off that, let's go to my next sample, uh, where we both have samples off this song, so I think it's the best song on the record. This is off uh, The Wicker Paul, and... I chose something off the uh, the very beginning of this track, and you chose something towards the mid. Um, but here's an example of where I think the drum machine as an instrument is used beautifully. And if there's an idea I want these guys to expand on, it's this stuff, where the drum machine goes full spaz mode, and it just becomes this maximalist ecstatic thing. It's it's mm. so wonderful to right, me. Cool.
listening to that again, I'm I'm realizing why I like this album so much because it is a a metal interpretation of certain styles of electronic music that I love a lot. Like this really does from a structural base have a lot to do with a lot of weird breakcore stuff that I really like. Yeah, well, you know, um that passes, you know, that passes a certain kind of test in that it gives me the feels. So, you know, <laughs> like um I find myself won over by the their version of post black melodies there. Right? Yeah. Um it's very hard to listen to the blah, blah, and with those little like other little textures flying away around it. Um mm-hmm. That's really that's just 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 I mean, you know, I'm not overwhelmed by it, but it's nice, right? Um and it's it's um it's pretty irresistible, right? Uh, the yeah. the drumming there, I agree, is also cool. Um, could they make it sound more like breakcore? They could. You know what I mean? Could they? Like, yeah. this is a case of like, okay, so maybe this band is straddling a line where it's like, on the one hand, you're a, you can be a metal band and use drum machines. On the other hand, you can use drum machines in the way that people who really listen to and play electronic music use them. For instance, like the guys from um, Fluids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this appears to be stuck somewhat in no man's land. They really listen to electronic music. They understand electronic music. But it, it appears that the um, both on the sort of, in terms of the gear they're using and ability, there's maybe the, uh, the will is exceeding the uh, means right now. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that's possible. Like, I wonder if they just commit to, like, building that part of the sound. Like, maybe those other parts would sound better. And this part sounds really good. I would just, I would, I would like it better if it had, like, more proper electronic, like, you know, like, sound palette, right? Yeah, like, throw a, make, make the kick drum a distorted 808. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, don't... Exactly, so, like, do all that. Like, I I wouldn't change... You wouldn't have to change a single, like, snare hit or cymbal on any of that. Just, like, take it from the part of Bandcamp that says Caladan Brood Kit and drag and drop it to the part that says, like, Detroit Techno Kit. There you go, done. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. Because I think... Because, actually, what this really reminds me of, ironically, both in, like, melodic style... Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, you know, the kind of break or drum programming is a project called The Flashbulb, who I really mm. liked uh, in my early 20s. I got to revisit that's, that that's, stuff. That's like the kind of name that would have existed when we were in our early 20s, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The um, Flashbulb. The f- Flashbulb was a great song by the Murder City Devils. Too. Mm. Yeah. So uh, The Flashbulb, uh, you know, he did kind of breakcore style drums, but with these very, like, to borrow a word from you, like elegiac kind of synth melodies hmm. over the top that tended to be very slow compared to the drumming underneath it, which is a similar kind of dynamic these guys like to use. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, um, it's it's very good. It might be sounds... almost too. It might be too sentimental for you, but give it a shot. You might like it. Yeah, yeah, but like also with electronics, you know, it's different genre to genre, and mm-hmm. um. Also, you know, and like fast, frantic drumming, slow, elegiac melodies over it. Well, that's where black metal went in the years after that, right? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It it makes sense as a convergence here, I think. I think you're selling me on that. Um, 
but like certainly I think the parts that are more you know I don't know could you make the slow parts more metally and these the keep the brake car power parts really brake Corey or you know I don't know but um this this was cool the drums there are cool and it allows the drums to do things the goal seems to be throughout to get the drums to follow the guitars mm-hmm and, yeah. you know, to have the drums playing in ways that are inflected and melodic and dynamically rhythmic rather than, like, playing beats or, uh, you know, yeah. being the I rhythm think section. I, I think that's an important thing is I think the drum machine is a central instrument to mm -hmm. this music in, in a way that it usually isn't in metal. Yeah. I, I think that it basically has as much importance as the guitars in this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just just give the drum machine a little love. Um, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I think that part was pretty cool. That was explosive late summer energy, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so now we're going to the later in the Wicker Paul. Uh, there's another part of this record I like a lot in the, I think in Balms on the Wellspring later, where it just drops to a like sort of driving boop ta, boop ta, boop ta, and the vocals get really aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, I liked that part a lot. That reminded me of like the few and far between, but the good parts of Agalock. Um, ah, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, like there, there are a few songs on the old Agalock that I really like, or like Ashes Against the Grain. I listened to when I was just getting into that stuff. Um, I'm guessing these um, guys probably like Agalock a lot. Too. I think they like Agalock. Yeah, I mean, there was a song called Not Unlike the Waves that I still, I still rate. I think. Oh, that's a a, that's song. kind of a classic. Yeah, it's a great song. That just, mm -hmm. yeah, that just rolls right. But, um, so the, yeah, there are those moments where it's like, oh yeah, John Hom does vicious vocals, right? Um, but, um, the Wicker Paul, uh, um, we get these, you're going to start off again in the lurching, you know, the sort of big lurching guitars, but, and then, but often when they're doing that, right, I almost feel like the riffs, the melodies keep sort of like hanging over a really great idea. They keep sort of like you know floating over this awesome part that's in the offing like they're building towards it here mm -hmm. it drops down and locks in in a, in a pretty unexpected way but it's heavy and cool
so yeah, like that was a that was a drop, right? In to get just <laughs> this full sort of alt rock passage. Yeah. Um, even the the murmured kind of distant muffled emo vocals, right? Those are almost like like '90s kind of emo and post hardcore kind of thing, right? Yeah. Or like like spoken word part in a Mogwai song, mumbly guy with the square glasses and the loud amp, right? <laughs> and I, I find that perfectly appropriate here. Normally, I think normally that would be a move I would not like at all. But in the context of the general mood they've established, and sure, why not just, like, you know, why not just say the thing that's implicit, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that I like about these guys. Is they, they're just embracing the shit, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the drop is sophisticated because it's like, yeah, I think there's something about that. Like, these guys are really good at rhythm. There's just something about it that doesn't land everywhere for me. But here, <laughs> there's this... So they've got the... The original riff has this lurch rhythm, and then the snare move, the snare placement in the... The, 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 the super slowed down 1-2 beat, right? Mid-tempo beat. Uh, the trudge rhythm. These pull against each other in a really interesting way. Like, it drops but the emphasis isn't where you expect it to be. And it just, it drives forward hard like it would in a sort of one, two, two-step kind of thing or a double bass section. But it does it at this, it does it almost while it's moving backwards at the same time. Like, it's a very weird feeling. Yeah, and I think that's what I like so much about this record is that it's always playing around with ideas that are kind of conventional but mm -hmm. uh, you know it it always finds a way to kind of uh, upset your expectations there's always a uh, there's a big setup for something and then it moves in a slightly different direction not one that you know ruins where you were expecting it to go but one that kind of teases out other ideas from what might already be expected and I think that's what keeps me interested in this record. It's, uh, you know, moment to moment. There's always something different happening. And I think they're still exploring exactly what they want to do. And I think they will... I mean, they've only been a band for a few years now. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's still kind of gestating. But I think that given a little bit more time, we're going to get something really big out of these guys and I'm I'm excited to see what it might be
All right, we are back after some uh, Tarne Spearer. Is that is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, ta- yeah, Tarne Spearer. Spearer. Oh, that Spearer is probably German. Uh, but yeah, no. So that was the uh, black metal mooded techno project, uh, which by two guys, one of whom is uh, Jesper Baggerfeed from uh, the from. Uh, Broder and other other bands we uh, Broder we reviewed earlier and other Corpse Sun bands. Okay, fair enough. All right, so uh, next up we've got Serpent Trance uh, with their first full length record, Acra Tapanosis, uh, out on Gods of War Productions. And uh, to me, it feels like Gods of War are sort of positioning themselves at the forefront of gloomy. Not no longer cavern core, but sort of cavernous black death metal. Um, uh, you might be familiar with them. We've covered a couple Gods of War records before. Uh, the closest to Serpent Trance being the uh, Cultum Interitum record that we covered last year, uh, a band who also just recently came out with a new full length. Um, so Serpent Trance is a Russian band. They did one EP before back in 2015, and now they're back with a full length. And it seems like, a, I mean, we've both written in the notes, we're covering a lot of this kind of stuff lately. And it feels like there is a new wave emerging of this gloomy kind of ritualistic Black Death stuff. And my uh, my hot take is that, yeah, this is a new sort of style forming. And it's based off of a few things. There's certain ingredients to the style. And I think the difference between these different bands is the ratios that they're mixing in. And I think that the big ingredients are going to be orthodox black metal, war metal, and old school kind of like profanatica or demoncy like slow, minimal Black Death stuff from the 90s. Um, Now, these guys in particular seem very invested in the Profanatica demoncy side of things, but they're augmenting it with a lot of sort of minimal Death Doom stuff, like almost almost sludgy at some times. Uh, And it's... It's interesting i i think that it gets a lot better towards the back half of the record but i'm interested in your thoughts on it yeah um i i don't know i don't have uh, profound thoughts on this however uh, i definitely like it um i do want to point out that the band name could also be pronounced serp entrance <laughs> um, could be either one yeah yeah uh so um, yeah, so we definitely covered a lot of this stuff recently. Um, I, I I thought that this band did a good job of staying slow while maintaining momentum, which is a mm-hmm. difficult thing and something that's very important to me with stuff like this. Um, I, um, yeah, as far as, so, uh, you know, the Profanatica demoncy thing and the orthodox inflection being big influences in the style, although this not has no orthodox in it. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I've got a sense of what another ingredient is. Oh, you did mention war metal, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, specifically, um, 
specifically like New Zealand and Canadian war metal in right around when in our sort of uh, early 20s days, right? Yeah. So like 2010 or, you know, 2012. Uh, stuff that um, kind of had its moment and flickered out in part because Diocletian sort of went inactive for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of those projects, yeah, like a variety, which Christ, oh yeah, so I'm going to mention them, but which Christ is a, I guess I'm, I'm doing a segue. Um, <laughs> so, um, this band really reminds me, uh, Serpent Trance really reminds me of a, this whole vein of sort of, uh, whole vein of war metal that was obviously influenced by blasphemy and that general tradition but had a very very different sound from your typical nuclear war hell's headbanger stuff it was at the same time more more riff oriented while also being more minimalistic and droning maybe more Mm -hmm. after certain kinds of black metal effects but very tuned very down um uh heavy emphasis at times on big stomp and mid-tempo sections um and you know Diocletian was kind of this flagship for all those bands and Diocletian did Yasundrian and they moved towards this more kind of regular death metal sound and for a minute um (laughs) for a minute uh uh, they were sort of the uh the darling of the uh metal metal establishment which uh you know was pretty amusing um, uh, right, but, um, you know, they sort of had their, you know, they had their thing, they went dormant, and now they're back. The last Diocletian album was absolutely killer. Um, it had, uh, Imperath from Black Witchery on it. Um, and, uh, and, but along with that, right, there's Antediluvian. Well, guess who's coming back this year? Antediluvian. Um, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Uh, and... There was this band called Witchchrist who seemed to be, who shared members with Diocletian and some of the other New Zealand bands and seemed to be heading somewhere, but they did their first record, Beheaded Ouroboros, and now it's not even on YouTube. Oh, wow. Uh, like, I, it, it is on a band camp, but it's not even on YouTube. They recorded a second one, and the second one, kind of like Yasundrian, was a move towards more conventionally death metal sound and didn't interest me at all. But mm-hmm. the first one's incredible. And this band, like, Serpentras really reminds me of them um, in some important ways. Uh, not that it sounds like a clone of that, but it sounds like the coolest things about this one strain of war metal that at one time was very trendy and then disappeared are returning. And all that scene was always kind of different from the cavernous Black Death thing. And mm-hmm. so now maybe it's one fueling influence here. So let's listen to Clothed in Abomination from 13 Minutes to the Fade Out. This is, uh, yeah. Yeah, first big, this is the first, uh, no, sorry, second track on this record.
sounded slow, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do a really good job. This is a thing they do again and again. They're good at creating, uh, doing these sort of uh, just heavy, open, open, you know, like uh, just heavy ringing chords, whole note ringing chords with some syncopation mm -hmm. thrown in over the blasting, right? And the blasting is often, um, there's some great staggered blasting in the next sample. The, uh, the drummer has a lot of freedom and has clearly been told to just do his thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, like, the drums are very forward, forward in the sound um, in a good way. And also have a nice kind of organic, woody kind of tone. Um, uh, and, but the big thing that just... So the slowness of the heaviness, or the slowness of the fastness, reminds me of Witch Christ, the sort of drone quality of those chiming, repeating chords, but especially also just that 6-8 breakdown in the middle, mm -hmm. right? Just switch to the... Right? Just this moment that is um, not just exciting, but surprisingly rocking in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, and uh, And it's like... And that slows it down, but it still has a barreling momentum and a headbanging quality to it. Um, and, you know, also just the, you know, this, the tone is super low and super solid in a way that is different from the classic incantation imitators. Yeah, no, I think uh, I I think a good like smell test for the style, especially when they're trying to do it a little bit slower, is mm -hmm. you should have the effect of a forty-five RPM vinyl played on thirty-three, you know, which this does. It feels like it's it's straining against its own tempo, you know, even though it's so slow for the most part. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah, something that is. Or the other feeling I have is like something that is very heavy moving at like just at a slightly unnerving pace. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's moving faster than it should. But. Yeah, you know, Killdozer, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I get that. And, and uh, But in this case, it's this kind of also this liquid flowing motion, right? This is uh, with this and with Witch Christ and these bands that have this ritual feel. It's some like, you know, it's like, you know liquid flowing in it's, the underworld. It's loping, right? I like to call it. Oh, oh yeah, this is very loping for sure. Yes, it could also be just sort of like, yes, demon loping. Um, so, here we go from Witch Christ's Temple of War.
Well, I mean, dude, you. <laughs> why are you not listening to Profanatica in this case? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I mean, that's one of those things. I just think of it as a U band, so I never go back and listen to it, you know? Now, this is this is down-tuned Profanatica all the way. That makes I mean, sense. It's, it, it, it's good, but it's like, oh, yeah, I de- definitely, like, Paul led me as their idol. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, although, uh, while we're doing deep cut shit, uh, my favorite uh, underground witch band is uh, Witch Tomb. Did you ever listen to them? No. Oh, Witch Tomb. They did a couple records. They actually did a 7-inch with uh, Pro Sanctus and Fairy back in the day, mm. uh, before they broke up. Oh, but they so did they actually are kind of in this vein. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, Witch mm. Tomb. No, it's it's the same style of music. Yeah, no, ah. uh, they did a they did a record uh, the year before this actually in two thousand nine called Crippled mm. Messiah, and uh, that was a that was a big uh, favorite of mine for uh, for a lot of years just for like everyday listening type shit. <laughs> so you would so you would say that uh, like I was on on point with the Witch Christ reference, but that uh, it is more like the stuff that this already you already said this sounds like than I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to have, like, a slightly different play on it, but, yeah, mm-hmm. this is basically, like, Profanatica worship type shit. W- one, um, which is funny, because I'm not sure that came up a lot back in the day, but it it makes, you know, I think they were, Profanatica was under underappreciated back then. The, the, one, the one salient distinction people will be able to tell is just, there's that cer- certain something which means that Witch Christ is war metal, and this isn't. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, is not very. Witch Christ has that just overloaded buzzing guitar and goes for extreme density. This mm-hmm. is much more spaced out, uh, sort of relaxed almost, um, and uh, going for that just pure sludgy low tone. Well, I think Serpentrance is like. I mean, one of my arguments about this is, like, I think at their heart, they're a doom band, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that's one of the things that makes them distinctive, is that uh, obviously they've got these, like, fast tension-building passages, but I think the heart of this band lives in the really slow-tempo stuff, which I think is something we disagree on. Oh, um, no, well, th- no, I think that's actually for the next band, that's Thaumaturgy. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Who knows? It's cavernous Black Death stuff. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think uh, I I really like the uh, the super doomy parts on this record. But uh, I know you've got another one. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's me, so it's I like the fast part. Um, But um, uh, the, this is on the Tarnished Shrines of God. Um, This all has even more of this sort of uh let the drummer do his thing kind of approach um mm-hmm. this is one of the faster numbers they've already gone through run through the attack riffs the basic sort of verse aggressive verse riff type uh type blasting riffs and yeah. what's next more attack riffs right yeah. but this is where this is where a lot of the uh, this is basically like the developmental section of the song. It just sort of keeps slowly ripping. All right.
that staggered blasting in the middle. Oh, the, I, I thought you were going to point that out. So, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the, like, just big held chords over, mm-hmm. uh, over the kind of thrash beat kind of thing. Yeah, that's like... Like a that's, fractured thrash beat. You know, yeah, that's like an Archgoat thing. Uh, that makes sense. Archgoat's Arch another Goat. band that, I, insofar as I've heard, I... Oh, you played me some a while ago, and I was like, this fucking kills. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an Archgoat. Forget. Or Profanatica. Yeah, Profanatica would do that, too. You know, I would say I haven't been in a very war metal mood, but I actually have. I mean, you should just listen to Archcode. I mean, that's just like a lot of things you like in one place. No, it is know? for sure. I mean, I, I do think one of the best things on the internet is Rauta's interview with the guy from uh, Archcode. Oh, where they're um, just hanging out under the tree, drinking out, beer, hanging out <laughs> under the tree. Beautiful, windy day, drinking some beers. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's this good is, like, People think of Valhalla as all skulls getting split and you know, like massive bosoms heaving. Um, and it is bad. those things. Yeah. Don't it get is us those wrong. things. <laughs> it is those things. But there's Valhalla's that too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's chill, chilling out, drinking a beer with your boy under the uh, <laughs> under Yggdrasil. You know, um, um, but no, uh, the uh, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of like the thing that they do a sort of fake out. You think they're going to break into the doom riff like at the beginning mm-hmm. of the sample, but it's actually at the end. You know, they just keep stacking these sort of iterative primitive war metal riffs on top of each other. And uh, the, dr- the, the drum, the drumming's almost jazzy. Yeah, because, well, because they're doing a very strange kind of rhythmic inflection on mm-hmm. the uh, on the riff there. It's like it's yeah. constantly pulling ahead and falling behind the drums, even within the same riff. I don't know if it's just them just like doing it very casually, or if there's a very precise kind of timing. But it wavers the same way every time, so mm-hmm. I think it's deliberate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the staggered thing on the blast is really cool. Um, you know, I guess what I would say is like, okay, they, they may essentially be a doom band, but can they keep being a doom band who frequently plays fast parts very slow? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they do that so well. That's important to the sound here. I I, I can I can definitely see that. Um, you know, it definitely maybe, helps to break it up. For sure. Yeah. Like, and I mean. You know, stuff like that, uh, more than, you know, I don't think this band needs to emphasize, you know, standard type blast riffing, right? But they don't really. Well, I think think what you're getting at is that the variation in tempo helps Mm -hmm. to provide a variation that the riffs don't, because ultimately most of this is extremely simple. Uh, yeah, from a yeah, guitar yeah. standpoint. Yeah, most of the riffs are dum dum da dum 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 dum. Yeah, they're just these they're these very simple kind of primitive like profanatica arrangements. So how do you create variation without kind of compromising the rigor of that guitar technique? Well, you play around with tempo and rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so. so let's get into slow shit. Because my favorite parts of this record are actually the uh, the really slowed down stuff. And yours so, is all from later in the album, right? Yeah, yeah. the The back half of this record really slows down, or at least its slow parts. I think hit me a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to the track underneath Babylon. 
And this is where the record starts to get really interesting to me, because these guys have a very defined sense of early Doom Death riffing. Um, so you're going to hear some stuff that sounds kind of like Incantation at the front of this sample. Of course, everyone's going to sound kind of like that doing this style. But then they start breaking that riff down and where it ends up is sort of like a mental funeral era autopsy, which is a very strange thing to hear in this style of music. I think that the heart of this band is in like early doom death and especially the really malignant, nasty sides of it. Um, mm. So uh, let's, uh, let's give this, let's give this a shot and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about like primitive death metal as an influence. So I think you can see what I mean, especially with that closing riff. That's much more just straight old school slow down death metal um, mm -hmm. than you typically hear in this style. I think the roots of this band are, you know, I, I think there's a tendency to think of this style as being basically black metal, you know, which can be attributed to, as we like to call on the show, you know, black metal hegemony over mm -hmm, extreme mm -hmm. metal. Yeah. But really, I think a lot of this music is really much closer to old-school death metal than black metal in the way it's actually articulated. Yeah, no, I mean, I think most that's true for most of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that might be a defining characteristic of most of the things in this style. Maybe, like, Kaon would qualify as kind of more of a black metal band. 
Yeah. But, but, I mean, the overall vibe for most of them is clearly much more death metal, and the riffing style, and all, yes, on this, or... What was that excellent Putrid Cult band? Oh, God. The, uh, the, the one that we both fucking loved, and then... Uh, With the werewolves on the cover. Yeah, the, never... no, not the werewolves, that's Sorry Vilk. Um, but okay. Who, who, the, is... who never sent me the shirt I ordered. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well... You know they're still they're still um, they're still cool. Whatever, that's yeah. fine. They can they no, can no, rip no, me off for a say, they're, they're still like they're still hunting the beast with which they'll make the shirt. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. There was there was that band. It was a Polish band, and I think it was on Putrid Cult. Oh yeah, upon the altar. Yeah, yeah. No, something I referenced in the uh, in the notes. Yeah, no. Upon yeah. the altar is uh, upon the altar is extremely death metal. But it's it's interesting how like anything kind of like primitive and straightforward is you know considered black metal these days. Like we didn't do that in death metal. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. No, that yeah, that has got to be super annoying. That that if if I were the death metal guy, I would certainly find that triggering. Well, and a, um, another thing that adds to it is the uh, the sort of the like squalling like Slayer style lead guitar stuff, which is oh, dude, all I across this that. record. I yeah, love like no. I was I was thinking like you were saying like this is the slow part and I was thinking oh god I'm gonna be bored but um you know that stuff I wouldn't even call for the most part the, the last riff is slow but I wouldn't even yeah. call most of that the slow part it's just like pretty dynamic down tempo crushing yeah yeah it's, um uh like and that sort of like I mean that sort of just like that that itself those the sort of chugs that come in the sort of crisp like phrasal or like it's really cool chopped up chug motif that just repeats right before the the slowdown um mm -hmm. that has this like wailing slayer over it that whole section could just be like abstracted rain and blood well yeah there's a, there's a lot of like lead guitar stuff across mm -hmm. this record and it's Almost always just wailing pinch harmonics and shit. Hell you know? yeah. Hell yeah. Finally, people are recognizing what was important about Slayer. It's straight, um, just like concrete winds guitar noise, you know, yeah, rather yeah. than, you know, a lead as we typically understand it. Which is, uh, again, like when we were talking about the uh, Broder record, that's like mm -hmm. primitive death thrash technique, you know, mm -hmm. which is interesting. You know, it's like, it's interesting. It's something I'd how, like to hear black metal bands use more. But yes, it is primitive. Well, I mean, they they, yeah. they did back in the '90s, but then we've exactly. all forgotten about that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for like, sure. no. no, it's just like, uh, I mean, that's one of the things I find so interesting about this record is how, if you actually break down the musical DNA, you get past the incantation and the profanatica, etc., and the the remainder has a lot more to do with autopsy and old obituary than it does most black metal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to get to my last sample, uh, you mentioned something very important to this record uh, that hmm. really, really comes into full perspective on this final sample. Black Metal Guy, despite your name, I've heard you like Chugs. I, I must confess, Death Metal Guy, I have, um, I have, I have received a demerit from the, uh, you know, the uh, sepulchral order for my, uh, preference for <laughs> Chugs. Um... <laughs> Well, right now we're going to go to the final track on this record called the uh, the Black Dawn of Sophia. And uh, 
We're going to hear some chugs with a Z at the end. That's how <laughs> chuggy they are. And I'm going to make the claim right now that if this is not at least a, in some sense, a quote from Wormflem, I will eat my ass on air. I will find a way to contort Don't my Don't make him do it. do it. He will do it. He like, will he absolutely listens to, he, he listens to power electronics. He'd love an excuse. <laughs> so uh, let's listen to some extremely dank chugs that I believe are probably directly from old Torture Doom stuff. like them chugs with a z don't you <laughs> i do yeah don't so that is the order <laughs> i i won't i'll i will i will never reveal the wu-tang secret black metal guy <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah no that so i think that that chug in particular and the way it kind of squalls at the end is mm-hmm. probably from Worm Phlegm. I mean, a lot of people have done shit like that, but there's something about the way they arrange the vocals over it, which makes me think it might be taken directly from the source. Um, listening to this again, what it really reminds me of is the Anatomia record we covered uh, a few hmm. months back, uh, Corporeal hmm. Torment, which was another primitive kind of autopsy style doom death record that trended towards torture doom territory and i uh 
I actually just pulled them up on Metal Archives, and Anatomia apparently did a split with Ruin just recently. Uh, just like a few weeks ago. Um, Ruin, uh, another favorite nowadays band of mine that we covered uh, last year, so makes perfect sense for them to go together. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that just listening to stuff like that, to me, the heart of this band lives in the slowest, most crushing parts of the music. Uh, the the faster, kind of like Archgoat type stuff is cool, but I like it as a tension builder or a bridge between these massive kind of doom death sections. Well, I can't really argue with that uh, massive doom death section. Yeah, it's just a, I, I, I love the audacity of opening the track like that. It's like usually usually there's some there's some preparation and like lubrication for when a chug like that comes in. It's like, no, we're doing it right from the top, baby. We're just going into it. And like half of the song is just those chugs going on. It continues throughout the entire track and uh I really like that. I I, I, I like this band's um I like this band's deliberate appreciation of extremely primitive ideas. You know, it's 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 retardedly evil, and that's great. <laughs> yes, retardedly evil indeed. Uh, and I mean, I think like related to that, right? Uh, the sense I got when I was listening to that sample uh, and the one before of uh, this is. Um, the seriousness of intent here, which I think um, probably links this links to the Broder pretty well. Um, really, like there's a uh, there is a complete commitment to the idea of the music. You get the sense that these guys, um, this isn't a sound they're exploring. These guys actually walk around being being this. Yes. <laughs> you know, they probably have horrifying biomorphic tattoos they got in the late 90s. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, and you know, that's pretty sick. Um, and uh, there's like, it, it, there really is just this imperceptible difference between people who are doing a style, either because they're, either because they're being posers or just because they're interested in it musically or because, you know, uh, you know, for any 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 variety of reasons, some of them perfectly legitimate, right? Um, there's, you know, because they want to try out a new musical vocabulary, right? There's that, and then there's people who are like uh, true believers. Hey, it's Kari from Sepulchre Curse, and I'm Yaku. You're listening to Terminus. And we are back from the cavernous death metal of Serpentrance with the cavernous death metal of Thaumaturgy, uh, Charnold Gnosis, the long EP, uh, out now independently on Bandcamp and with a physical release coming on Adirondack Black Mass. Um, Thaumaturgy, a good name for a band, no? Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. As a uh, uh, longtime Vampire the Masquerade fan, I can thoroughly approve <laughs> so um so yeah so this guy listens to terminus which is very cool uh, and uh like many terminus listeners he has a um a, a you know he's a sort of an 
a, a thoughtful and uh, seriously composed independent project that he's working on, right? So, um, so this is he he sort of uh, referenced it. He described it as cavernous death metal, which was interesting. So, in when he said it to us, so people that term we often say like, oh, do people use this term anymore? Right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, like. So he still uses that term, and it means he's sort of committed to some idea of this style that has been, uh, or cavernous death doom, he said. Some idea of this style that's been around for a while. Um, like Serpentrance, or Serpentrance, or whatever, uh, this is uh, much more on the death metal side of the spectrum than some of this new wave of cavern stuff has been. Mm -hmm. um, you'll hear no orthodox here, nor even... Yeah, um, no orthodox, nor even anything I would compare to, like, like Witch Christ or something, right? Um, yeah, this is really, at its heart, just a death metal project. Yeah, it's death metal with lots of slow parts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there are fast parts here, and the fast parts are very death metal, and probably closer to less primitive than the stuff on the Serpentrance. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a sophistication to this music, and I, I have ideas about, uh possible influences but uh you go ahead with i, your I think we've got yeah um we've got some similar ideas i think about what sets this apart as a general concept which is um uh the tones are much less focused on well i guess a, th a thing that sets apart all these new bands is that none of them are into reverb mongering mm -hmm. yeah They've all got different ways of doing things, but none of them actually have the, quote, cavernous production with the sort of weird glistening, echoing tremolids or whatever that defined this stuff mm -hmm. back in the day, that defined the, imi the incantation imitators. Um, but a lot of them have, you know, we just heard on Serpentras, like a lot of them have very murky, high, low-end sounds, right? Or have sounds that are murky qua textural, right? Lots of interwoven shrouded stuff like the Lycaon, right? Where you've actually got a shit ton of riffy stuff going on, but it's hard to hear because it's all this sort of um, it's all bleeding together in this way, mm -hmm. right? Um, this is um, kind of crisp. Not yeah. like black metal crisp, but it puts instead of putting um, I don't know how to describe it, sort of like, instead of putting guitar You know, it emphasizes guitar tone, but in the sense that, like, the tone, in the sense that we are really not just listening to, like, pedal sound or amp sound, but, like, tone. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that, does that make, it, he highlights thing, you know, you get feedback, you get drawn out notes, it highlights harmonic qualities of chords and phrases, uh, there's a clarity to it that is, yeah. uh, not commonly found in this style, um, and there are aspects of occasional melodic color in this that, while far from making this black death metal or anything like that, um, set it apart a bit. How would you explain it? Well, I think that the color that you're talking about is a very important part of this project. In fact, I would say it's almost the primary distinguishing feature. Um, so... 
Well, another thing is like compared to a lot of the other bands in this sort of pseudo niche, whatever it may be nowadays, I have a feeling that this guy is listening to much more kind of technical or almost prog touched music than a lot of guys in the style are. Um, I didn't really write it in the notes, but I came to a conclusion that I think this guy is probably listening to a lot of the first wave of, like, Demi-Lich imitating bands or Time Ghoul imitating bands. Think of stuff like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, did you ever listen to the old stuff by, uh, oh, Jesus, who was it, um, oh, uh, Cosmic Atrophy? No. Yeah, so Cosmic Atrophy, that's... I mean, I haven't heard Time Ghoul either. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so Cosmic Atrophy is a project by one of the guys, I believe one of the guys behind Dark Descent Records, hmm. which was w- one of the earliest takes on um, sort of Demi-Lich revival death metal. And this is... Thaumaturgy is not as technical as that, but a lot of the very colorful melodic ideas remind me of stuff like that or bio lich or just some other kind of like deep cut stuff from the 2000s um so i think he's incorporating the influence from very technical styles of music insofar as interesting kind of intervals and melodic ideas and then he's stripping it back down to bring it in line with a sense of sort of not even necessarily primitivity, but clarity and sharpness that he wants. This is very interesting music. I It's not fully formed yet, but I'm really intrigued by this guy's creative process. Because like you were saying, the, the melodic color of this is extremely different from most of the kind of like incantation worship bands out there. And I think that the more he seizes on that, the better this project will be. He did send us an influences list. Um, mm-hmm. uh, now that doesn't mean you're wrong about everything you've just said, because that could be tangential. That could be stuff that's filtering in, right, in mm-hmm. inflecting what he does. That's quite possibly could be true. But the official influence list is very down the line in some ways, right? However, mm-hmm. it does incantation. Okay. Demoncy, Pro Fanatica, so that's confirming what you said about these now being much more important for the style than they used to be. Um, yeah. And then, like, stuff that I don't totally know. Fossilization, uh, Crypts, with a K, who are been around for a while. Uh, and then uh, Hatopelagial and Thoribos, those guys we reviewed on the split. Um, and Cosmocrator, who I am only vaguely familiar with and is the best album by Spite Extremely. Um, but, um, <laughs> it's ultra but okay <laughs> I listened to it yeah I listened to that one three times in a row the other day um, but um, uh, so so he um, so so in some sense it's it's sort of like de- informed by very central stuff for this style however also some of the newer artier versions of it like Catapelagial right? yeah no I, I, I think that I understand where he's coming from with a lot of his stated influences, but I feel like what's happening on this record mm-hmm. um, is something that I've experienced, where you start a project with a certain idea in mind, and then it kind of gets away from you, and it becomes its own thing. 
Yeah, oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the best thing to do in that situation is to let it be what it is. Don't try to force it back in line. And I think, I think this guy is approaching a very interesting idea. And I'm, I'm very excited to hear a follow-up release. Um, there's a lot of great ideas here. There's, I got some questions about structure and stuff, but overall, I think there is a very distinct, unique idea being approached here, and uh, I want to see it expanded upon. I, I, I want to follow up with this guy. All right. So that said, let us um, praise hail the conquering worm. That's your first sample. Yeah. Okay, so Praise Hail the Conquering Worm. Um, one thing, because we always forget to mention it up front, really like this guy's vocal style. Uh, he's doing this sort of, like, barbarian bellow thing. Like, almost something you would hear from, like, a Russian black metal band. But then it's, like, reverbed and delayed like fucking crazy. So it has that cavernous vibe, but the actual root tone of it is very different. Um... So you're going to hear a, a few sections kind of develop throughout this. And something I like about this is that even though it is a one-man project, it has this strange kind of jammy quality. Like, you could consider this good or bad, but it feels like the guitar, in a lot of cases, is kind of like sketching out ideas or reaching for something which ordinarily I think is a bad thing. But in this case, this music comes off to me as very abstract in a good way, like closer to actual kind of abstract progressive death metal from the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I think it kind of lands. It doesn't have big heavy metal kicks in the way that we like a lot on the show, mm -hmm. but I think it's very cool. So let's, um, let's listen to about... Eh, maybe a third of the way through Praise Hail, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about what we hear.
one thing that's apparent to me listening to this record is this is a guy who has actually kind of studied um, incantation riffs. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if this guy could play Mortal Throne of the Nazarene front to back. Because he picks up on some of the subtleties of how incantation riffs are constructed that a lot of other guys don't. You know, like, mm. you know, uh, uh, certain stuff like um, to resolve the riff, you know, bouncing up or down an octave and then continuing the resolution in the different octave, which gives it that kind of disjointed, unnerving feeling. You, mm. you know, The bands that are faking it are doing it within the same octave. This guy knows to extend the range and to create a different effect, which is also a very kind of like weirdo doom death thing to do. Um, I bet this guy listens to a lot of like uh, disembowelment or uh, some of the more abstract early Doom Death stuff. I only barely know Disembowelment, but the sound quality here is more like Disembowelment, isn't it? Disembowelment has a... They were they were arriving they a crisper at it. tone, and in some ways they sounded kind of like a hardcore band. Well, they also had that the strange kind of flanged-out watery quality, mm-hmm. um, which here is just a result of a guy doing it at home. I'm not a huge fan of the production on this record, but these are limitations that we should expect, you know, from mm-hmm. people just doing it on their own. That's that's fine. Um, but obviously the centerpiece of this is that, that long, sprawling tremolo riff that just kind of saws over the drums, that da, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, and that's closer to a real incantation riff than most people actually pull off. Um, it's also, you know, ironically close to a demoncy kind of riff. Uh, Demoncy's riff craft is sort of unparalleled. We should do a bonus episode where I talk about, you know, Joined in Darkness at one point or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really like the... And this is one of the weird threads I was talking about at the top of the uh, at the top of the show. Um, I, I see a lot of similarities between this and the Luminous Veil record in that it has this sprawl, and mm-hmm. whether you like that sprawl or not, that's really going to determine your feelings about the record. Because you know, I I tend to be a guy that likes stuff that's very organized and punchy, but lately. You know, I've been digging back into stuff that kind of sprawls out and moves a little more erratically, and I mm-hmm. think that prepped me for this record pretty well. Okay, yeah. So, um, sprawl in this context, I mean, there's sprawl in black metal context that I'm obviously totally fine with, right? You know, big, expansive mm-hmm. stuff. Um, well, actually, I mean, yeah, I guess there's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I probably am... I'm pretty invested in my own idea of tightness, although it might involve three riffs for ten minutes, right? But, um, <laughs> the, um, but, like, the sprawl here is not so accessible to me. Um, okay. It's, yeah. you know, it's, I think that's not, that's not the fault of this project. That's just, you know, uh, like, temperamentally I run towards faster stuff, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and more than that, I am an... 
Although he may be drawing wider influences from obsc- from like arty death metal that I don't know. This is such a death metal cavernous death doom band that it is it's just so solidly in the genre that it's a little outside my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, I, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. I think yeah. for me, like I it's like if thing, I intrinsically liked these kinds of riffs better, right? Maybe absent I gotcha. some of the things absent some of the kinds of things that incantation does that make them inherently like exciting, right? And maybe the mm-hmm. black metal tendency in incantation or whatever, right? If I inherently really liked certain things about the riffs or the atmospheres that maybe you know that like a real head for the in this style would right, then mm-hmm. this sprawl would probably be something like, oh, I like these cadences, I like these textures. Um, this is a little bit diffuse, but like I'm here for this, right? Yeah, and that I seemed get that. good to to me because it's not quite my wheelhouse. I need it to be punchier. That's okay. not his fault, yeah. right? That's not his fault. That's and it's it's not a problem from on my part either. It just is what it is. Um, it's um in some ways like this is a sophisticated and multifaceted thing, but it is definitely has squarely rooted itself in this place that I don't have, I can't access in the way you can, right? This guy's basically, this guy's working in your native language. Um, yeah. But at and, the same so, time, well, at, at the same time, he's working in my native language, but something that makes this interesting and kind of draws me to it is the inherent unpredictability of it. Like, um, w- which, which is why even I think be visible to me. Yeah, no, it's like, uh, the, I, well, it, it's not necessarily invisible to you. I, I think you can think of ways that some of these riffs could resolve that would make sense based off listening to, you know, Onward to Golgotha or something. But one of the things that interests me about this project, even though it doesn't provide the same, you know, heavy metal kicks that we're after a lot of the time, is the weirdness of it. Is the... There's a... There's this, like, malevolent questioning quality about this. You're never sure exactly Ah. where it's going to go, and I think that's really cool. That's a great phrase. I like that. Use that in the write-up. Malevolent questioning. Um, <laughs> so, um, so and, yeah, so, so basically, what can I contribute in this context? Well, I like the fast parts. Um, <laughs> of, so this is from Aeon of Decay. Um, uh, here's a cool fast part.
yeah, so uh, that that part is really cool. Um, and that's the thing he does. I mean, this is a gesture that I know comes from this school of bands to some degree, right? But um, when these sort of like squalling lead lines just arc up from the main power chording of the riff, right? He starts with that, he lays down this bass of just basic, just impulsive power chord black death riffing, right? Dum, 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 dum. Right, which is basically just a very standard riff, except it's got one variant on the timing, where you can tell he's really excited to play the nastiest interval, and he just <laughs> holds it, which is great. Like he holds it a little longer than anyone else would, and he drops it, and it makes it sound heavy and gives it more momentum. Um, so like he does a stock riff, sawing stock riff very well, right? And it, it lays down this sort of bass you know, bass around the root note, and then he starts just adding other stuff in, and then you get the And it's sort of like, you have this this bass continuum of thrashing stuff, and then it, it sort of, the lead arcs up out, and then goes back in. Um, you know, it, it kind of snake. it's like a serpent-like, sort of like, uh, I don't know, you're like watching like snaky serpents in lava or something. <laughs> you know, sort of like, ju like, like jumping up out of the lava and going back in. Um, and, uh, the, and that kind of, uh, highly, well, you, you know, I like that guitar with that sort of fried kind of sound and the energy kind of sound and that kind of, um, unhinged attack in it. Um, mm -hmm. that stuff's cool. Um, generally the fast parts are more in keeping with what you said about this being in touch with other realms of death metal. Generally, the fast parts are, like, more proficient-sounding and less primitive than I would expect. Yeah, no, I, I Like, that's I think closer that's... to the, 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 the nastiness of that, the intervals in that, and the particular kind of liquid flowing sound is definitely coming out of this sort of uh, profanatica kind of incantation school. I feel that. But, like... Mm -hmm the general way it's being played has way more in common with like regular death metal or even like behemoth no i i get that but mm -hmm. it's it, it's smoothed over um but not it's fast in a, in a way a lot of this stuff is di the way this guy is fast is different from the way a lot of people who play in the style try to do fast yeah it, because fast in this style is usually just how hard and fast can i down pick a power chord Mm -hmm. This guy is a, a, more delicate on the guitar, um, which is something you'll also hear in, like, late Profanatica, you know? He um, can also do higher BPM, I think, is the thing. Yeah, no, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that as insofar as, like, the influences he listed, he's probably listening to a lot of the later Profanatica stuff that I also listen to and really love. Um where it's a little bit more crisp and liquid than the mm -hmm. early, really, like, just kind of, like, chunky, nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the DNA in common is the sort of interval choice. And there's certain guitar techniques he's using that are directly from the Profanatica school, the idea of, like you were saying at the beginning, these kind of churning power chord tremolo riffs, 
and then these arcing leads, which are based mm. off of these. Um, it's also a, an incantation technique, uh, sort of like slowed down, stretched out, tremoloed like arpeggio arrangements, just mm-hmm. with like really fucking nasty interval choices uh, mm-hmm. that snap back to the chord at the end, um, which is a a technique that is great and should be used more. It's it's one of the more sophisticated parts of that style. Um, no, I I think it's really cool. I I like the uh, like you said. I I like the whole liquid quality of this music, as well as the, just the sort of abstract, weird, never concluding the right way sort of system, which reminds me of like early Havohay stuff. Um, so this guy is clearly extremely well versed in this whole lineage of uh, extreme metal. Um, you know, a lot of guys are into one or two things. This guy's listening to all of them and incorporating them all at once. Um, so let's go to uh, Seated Upon the Peaks of Extinction, the uh, final track that both of us are sampling. Um, so we're going to hear a couple interesting things. One, we're going to hear this, uh, this sort of tritone riff that is inherent to this style like if you're in a band like this and you're not doing this riff you're, you're fucking up somewhere in the process you know, <laughs> what, it's what's, like, what's that meme if, if your friends aren't like following <laughs> your network is your net worth you know yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, about yeah. profanatica and tenancy and shit um but then, uh, so he, he's using this conventional sort of profanatica or havahe like tritone structure or demoncy. But then in the back end of the riff that he starts folding into it, uh, it goes in a more harmonically interesting direction. Um, and I think this is something this guy should expand on because this is one of the most exciting parts of the record to me.
So which tritone riff were you talking about? Is it that dum 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 dum? Yeah, dum, that one. Dum. Hmm. And then he starts intersecting it. Well, it, it kind of it so starts it's like, it's like, as like it's a, like root to a fifth, but there's an octave in like it's like root to fifth, but the fifth is an octave up or something. Yeah, and then down to like a seventh or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, which is a very like standard arrangement for this style. Like that's that's a vocabulary riff that anyone can use. Okay, but wait, then, no, it's like it's just like root fifth. Uh, half step over the root yeah you, you know that shit better than i do um i don't know it's like it's the big power cordy one and then it's the nasty one and then it's the slinky little one <laughs> exactly there you go <laughs> um but but then he starts playing around with this second riff you know and at first he's alternating and then he's kind of intersecting the two mm -hmm. he just keeps like rearranging these two kind of motifs in, in different ways, which uh, which is interesting. The idea of, like, he's almost experimenting in real time with different arrangements of these two riffs. Uh, and there's something about it that I really like. I can't really put my finger on it. I, 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 think, I, I think that something I like so much about this record is the kind of, like, jammy quality of it, which is sort of impossible because this is a one-man project but you get this almost improvisational feel e even though it's obviously it's too organized and it's too cleanly played to be improvisational you know what i mean yeah i, I hear that i mean i really like the way those two riffs ricochet off each other right the second one is the second that second turn definitely takes the stock riff and makes a powerful phrase out of the whole thing yeah yeah i i think it's interesting and also i'm wondering this is kind of a shot in the dark but i'm guessing this guy probably listens to ruins of everest a lot that makes sense just because of the particular sounds he's interested in and the scale of it and the way i don't know like that was a particularly weird... He stacked two dissonant riffs on each other, but in a way that made something a little bit... Um, that doesn't just sound bludgeoning, right? Yeah, no, it's like... That's... That, you know, you bring that up, that's, that's another thing that makes this record interesting, is that most of this stuff is dissonant, but as an aggregate, it has a kind of consonant quality to it. Um, it never feels like you're listening to random chromatic stuff. You know, it, it feels like all of this meshes together surprisingly well. You can create this sort of, like, mutant melody, you know, as a through line through these tracks. That's a... I don't know, that's really interesting to me. I'm really excited to hear more material by this guy. Yeah, this is, um, I, you know, with the Ruins of Everest, it really is just, I, I guess it's like a cool thing. It's like that project has come to fruition in the sense that now a bunch of new bands are responding to what he was doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a significant gauntlet he has laid down. Um, and how you even begin to be influenced by a band like that is funny, right? <laughs> but like, I guess it... And for some people, it has to do with scale and ambition. For some people, it has to do... We've been finding bands where the riffing style really seems to come from there. And now we're, we're also getting... 
because he's so wide ranging, there are these kinds of ruins of Everest days creeping in all sorts of places. Yeah, like, yeah. In like like he influences other people trying to do sort of monumental sort of uh, Gesamtkunstwerk kind of shit, right? But he mm-hmm. also is influencing genre work in a way that's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things that makes Ruins of Everest. Yeah, I, I'll go out there and say probably one of the best metal bands of all time. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, that, I mean, who who's gonna fight us on that? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do dare you. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> So, yeah, we will we'll defend the honorable name of Alexander von Meilenwald. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, so next is uh, my sample from later in this track. Um, here's another ten cool seconds part. later. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Okay, well, should we just give him the ten seconds, or should we leave that a mystery? We'll leave it a mystery. Let's just go from here. So behind. much can happen in ten seconds. <laughs> that's true. You like the part that sounds like a song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Fucking but, loser. But, but you were saying the whole thing sounds kind of song not not song like, but like yeah, that part does sound like a song. But um but like it um right there is a very concentrated example of what you were saying about the melodies. Yeah. There's every a lot single more tonal one of those color. Is a, every single one of those is a buzzsaw chromatic riff, but somehow they're being I don't know. He probably knows more about music theory than us. There might be the I've heard of chords, these things that sort of relate. Relate. I think they're a way of relating different riffs to each other, and I hear you can. I hear you can change them. Um, and, uh, there, there may have been some of that going on. Um, uh, 
and and you know create and there's some sort of like organized melodic sequences are appearing relationally between the different buzzsaw riffs um individually some of those have that primordial extreme metal quality we've been hyping all the time um yeah you know take your pick of any album from before 93 right um mm -hmm. uh but what was cool about that was just how many of them there were so fast so like for me for me because i can't just sink myself into the particular tonal and atmospheric qualities of this in the way you can the moments of intense concentration like the the, mo the slower parts will scan as diffuse and the moments of intense concentration will scan as the exciting ones um but it's interesting that he whips that out it signals moments like that confirm your hypothesis right that there's a very sure hand musically under a lot of this right um yeah and but and it can it's like okay suddenly we're going we, we were in the sprawl but he was completely in control of that as control of it in as in control of it as he wanted to be and now it's just cool event cool event cool event cool event cool event um yeah uh but my favorite part is like the lock-in with the rolling double bass like the so like this is definitely drum machine right um yeah this is a drum machine yeah yeah so like um and uh there's a place where you can hear his picking um he's doing really aggressive picking and his like actual death metal guitarist technique is uh really coming through there in a powerful way i think like he's um it's making a virtue of the he's like playing against the drum machine in a way that makes it a virtue of the drum machine mm-hmm it's like, look at me, I'm locked in with the drum machine in a way that sounds organic and groovy. Mm. Yeah, no, I can see yeah. that. But yeah, I think that's a very powerful storming passage. I mean, of course, I would love to hear, you know, I mean, why not make a version of this where all the, I get that the slow parts are the center. Why not make all the fast parts that intense? 